BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome in the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, ReasonsSports.com. There you can find all of our podcasts, Three Yards Per Carry, Five Rings, Kane, Cinco Rosonas, Light Skin Opinions, Balls Cast, whenever it is that they decide to post, uh, Shula Ball Podcast, and everything else in addition to our columns, our stories, our merch page. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that as we go forward, and our YouTube channel, and uh, the three of us are considering doing some streaming shows so we're gonna we're gonna throw that out to you here by the end of the episode today's episode though is brought to you by the lessons via leaders podcast which is a weekly podcast show where they interview a new entrepreneur founder or thought leader every single week when many of the guests on lessons via leaders are from here in south florida and they've built huge businesses and fostered large communities and movements each show features a new guest that shares with the audience valuable lessons and learnings that they've masked over the course of their careers. The shows can be found all the places that you can find our show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts. They also have a video version of each episode that they post to YouTube. So again, it's the Lessons Via Leaders podcast. We would not recommend a pod here that we did not enjoy. And this one's a little bit different than what you find here in the network. So check it out. It's South Florida. We're South Florida. Again, Lessons Via Leaders. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back out. My voice has been a mess for a few days. I'm not really sure why, so I apologize for that in advance. But we do have the full crew here tonight to help me out, Alex Toledo and Alphonse Sidney. And we're going to run through three topics tonight. I know we're five reasons, five on the floor. We're going to run through three topics and probably go through three more topics tomorrow night. You know, there's Somebody, nothing nothing cute. What's that, three? Well, you, yes? Wait, your, your throat's bothering you? 
My, uh, I don't have coronavirus. Is that, is that what's checking? I'm just checking. No, it's not hurting. It's just, I don't know what it is. I I did a podcast yesterday, um, which I enjoyed, uh, called, I think it's called sports talk garage. They're based up in, uh, I think Georgia and I ended up becoming, it was a conversation about the heat and the dolphins, but a lot of it was about five reasons and kind of the direction we're going. So I enjoyed that, checked it out, but it also was the last of my voice. Like I, I had, it was up and down for a couple of days and that just killed it. So uh, trying to get it back today. So again, I apologize. Uh, this means more talking for Alf, which, uh, you know, some of you will enjoy, some of you not so much. Um, most won't. Most won't. Three I topics. Mean, have, you tried, have you tried drinking bleach or? Um, right, I, have, I, I have not. I'm going to save that for a certain segment of the population and see how that goes. <laughs> All right, I'll stop derailing the show now. I'm sorry. That, no, that, that, that's fine. It's just, you know, everybody wants me to not be political. Do you know what I noticed? On when I tweet something from Ethan J. Skolnick and it's on sports, nobody notices it. It's almost <laughs> like everybody who used to follow me for sports on that account has left and been replaced by the political folks. And so it's only on five reasons that I get any interaction on sports. It's it's interesting to me. I'm not really sure. I mean, I mean, I've been cleansing my personal account for the last year, and it looks like I've got it exactly where I want it now. But it's it's been on. Uh, all right. Anyway, um, let's get to three things. And we just did an episode on Tua, which I, you should check out, and whether or not he's the next guy in this town. And not more than that, he is the next guy. But is he the guy who can sort of move the pendulum back to the Dolphins from the Heat? And we had a long conversation about who on the Heat might be able to keep that from happening. Whether it's Jimmy, whether it's Bam, whether it's I suggested Tyler Hero, whether it's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, Sorry, I did that wrong again. Um, But we're going to talk a little bit more to it because as we speak tonight, he's yet to pick his number, but he's made this a big show. And this is one of the reasons I like him so much and liked him so much for for the Dolphins and for this town. He's made it a social media thing where he's engaging everybody. I mean, can you imagine Ryan Tannehill doing this? Chad Henney. Um, And so he, he wants to know what number he should pick. And you and I, Alf, have talked a lot about this on social media because there is a heat tie here. Uh, He was drafted fifth. Somebody else we know was drafted fifth. And that person wore three for the heat. And that person who is all over social media the last week, Dwayne Wade, uh, personally congratulated Tua and, you know, said basically, uh, you know, somebody else who was drafted fifth worked out pretty well. Um. I originally thought that Tua should pick three for that reason, although that requires Josh Rosen to give it up. I've kind of come around to the idea that he shouldn't. Um, To me, that number represents so much in this town, and I know Tua wants the expectations, but there's so much weight that that number is going to carry if he wears it. I really think he should establish his own thing. Do, Do you agree? I don't know. I just think it's a balls move to to pick number three. I think it's just really cool how it all uh, played out. To me, it's like, you know, as as somebody who does not care about the Dolphins, like to have a heat tie-in and have a cool storyline, selfishly, that's what I want, right? I want him to be the fifth pick in the draft. I want him to pick Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade gave him a really, really cool shout out on Twitter. I'd like to keep that, that keeping that legacy going would be pretty cool to me, right? It's it's the the greatest winner we've ever had in South Florida and then Tua taking over the mantle. But like I've also said, if he's not successful, 
like it, it's it's a huge fail, right? But if he had the balls to pick that number and to carry that legacy and to put that put all that on his back, like that just says to me a lot about the kid, right? It, like I don't I don't think it's disrespectful. I think it's more of an homage and to kind of just say, okay, I can't have thirteen. What's the next biggest number in this town? Number three, and I I want I want that pressure. I want that legacy. I was the fifth pick. Let's keep it rolling. Like to me, that's to me that's just an awesome story. And what are we in the business of telling stories? So I would rather that. But maybe maybe it's me being selfish. But that's how I look at it. Well, and I'm going to go to Alex on this. I'm glad you mentioned the 13 thing. What is wrong with Dolphin fans? I mean, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to put them all in a in this basket. But there is a segment of Dolphin fans that actually believes, and I think they're all under 12 years old, uh, actually believes that Tua should ask for 13. I mean, do, do we not understand what retiring a jersey means, especially when it's the best player in franchise's effing history? I don't. Is that real? No, this, this is, this is real. There are actual, real, living, breathing people who think that Tua should wear 13. They're all over my mentions. I mean, even he has said that's insanity. And I, I mean, to, I, what I said on Twitter was it's the equivalent of saying that Tyler Hero should wear three. Like, no. <laughs> you got to start reporting these people, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alex, what, what's your feeling on it? I mean, it, it would obviously be awesome to see, like, if, if the announcement came out that, you know, two is going to wear number three, I would have only positive feelings about that, right? Like, I, it would be great to see him try to take on that mantle and keep the, you know, keep the legacy going, like I've said. But, you know, that's definitely putting a lot of pressure on himself. And immediately – he has to kind of be good, right? Like when, when, whenever he does play, which might not be for a year or whatever, and uh, he's got to live up to it. And it would be, it would suck a lot if you know he just wasn't that good. And then we and we gave him number three and and this whole crowning for nothing. But I would still feel pretty good about it. I think the other one that came to mind for me was five because of being the fifth pick. Yeah. But other than that, like I don't really know what he should go with. I don't well, think ten's a bad one either. But. Three, three would be like, okay, he, he's, really, he's really taking on that challenge. Well, let's look at the numerology of this town, right? Okay, so uh, just on the Dolphins' perspective, if you look at their quarterbacks, right, uh, Chad Pennington wore 10 pretty well for about a year and a half, okay? Um, Jay Fiedler wore nine okay. Uh, Joey Harrington didn't wear three so well. <laughs> Dante Culpepper didn't wear eight so well. Um, uh, Tannehill, it's not going to be 17. Oh, I, I can't remember. What number was Henny? I, I can't even remember. What number, what, what, what number was Chad? Wasn't he eight? Yes, he was also. Was he eight? I think he was uh, eight. I think, what a forgettable quarterback. Seven. He was here for was, was seven. He was seven. here forever. That, that's my point. Like, they had like 12 years of Henny and Tannehill. Like, that is poison to a town. Like, they're not bad enough to care about, and they're not good enough or interesting enough to care about. It's just like it's, it's amazing that they they went through so many years of that. Um, to me, uh, the number he should take is two. I, I just I, to me, it's as a marketing play, it's genius. I mean, it's so so obvious, it's genius. Like Tua, <laughs> I mean, just wear the number two, and and there. I mean, I think. Uh, I guess Matt Hack, the punter, wears two. I mean, I think that one could, you could actually get. Uh, there's no legacy of two in this town, is there? Uh, Joe Johnson wore two for the Heat. I'm trying to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> who, who wore two for the Heat? What, Joe, is he the only one? Joe Johnson. 
Yeah. I'm going to take, I'm, I'm take a look. I'm going to take a look. See, to me, that I just feel like it's corny. Like, it just – I don't know. Like, the only – to me, this – this conversation, to me, it's just, first of all, it's a stupid conversation. I know I, I'm the one who brought it up, and I kind of made a big deal about it on Twitter. It's a dumb conversation. The only way it's not dumb and it has any significance is if he chooses the number three. Like, that's the only cool thing. That's the only way this the, the entire jersey number picking would be even uh, remotely interesting is if you picked the number three. Any other number, I don't care what uh, explanation. If he picks two because his name is Tua, if he picks five because he was the fifth pick, I mean, none of that stuff is interesting to me. The only thing that would be interesting is if you pick number three. Besides that, it's just not – it's a, it's a non-story. I, will, I, just, uh, I like uh, well, the heat tied to it. Well, I'm looking at – okay, so the number two in history – a couple of these I should have remembered. Rory Sparrow wore two. Keith Askins – Keith Askins wore two for nine years. Um, so it's an homage to Keith. We love you, Keith. Uh, Joe Johnson, one year. Wayne Ellington, three years. And now the great Gabe Vincent. Uh, where's where's number two? Um, I, I wanted to take a look at who wore three before Dwayne. You, you want the list? <laughs> here's the list. Here's here's the list. Anthony Taylor, 1989. The great Scott Hafner. Steve Smith. Oh, I remember Scott Hafner. Remember Scott Hafner? Steve Smith. No, Khalid, Khalid Reeves, who was taken ahead of Jalen Rose. Uh, Bruce Bowen. Charles Smith, that's not the good Charles Smith. That's the one Pat picked late in the first round when Pat had like a string of terrible picks in the 20s. Jamie Watson, I don't remember Jamie Watson. I, I, I probably remember every player in Heat history. I don't remember Jamie Watson. LaFonso Ellis, one of the nicest human beings you'll ever meet. And then he gave way to Dwayne. Dwayne Ware for 19 years. I, I mean, I, look, I, I do think fans care. I know this is a stupid topic because we have nothing else to talk about. But, like, fans do care about this. Like, this has been a big issue, and, you know, that's they're waiting to backorder jerseys, basically. I mean, we'd rather they buy our T-shirts, but they're waiting to backorder jerseys. I, I think that you're right, Alf, that three would be the only one with any real symbolism. I just – well, again, two issues. How does it look if he's going in and taking Josh Rosen's number before Josh Rosen is traded? Nobody I, that, cares. I mean, come on. I <laughs> – uh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't strike me as him. Everything I've heard about him, he's very team oriented. Just to come in and say, "I need your number." I mean, it's different than Tom Brady, you know, getting twelve with you know, in Tampa. I mean, Tom Brady is going to be retired in that number with the Patriots, but Tua hasn't actually worn this number in the pros yet. So I, I, don't, I don't know. And it's not even his college number. So if it was his college number, it'd be one thing. But I mean, thirteen is the college number. As I said, that one can't be taken off the shelf so i, I don't I mean, know if he I, wants three you cut you cut rosen i mean you just cut him you just cut him loose yeah, here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you trade him for a seventh round like if he wants three you just you know i mean i just i, I would just give him three and not even tell rosen change his jersey number and if you have- all of a sudden rosen, rosen shows up whenever there is minicamp sometime in october and there's and, and the number the number 19 is in his locker just like randomly like, he, has, like, he has double zero or something like, <laughs> right your number has been changed um what, what about uh, – there's a couple of others, and then we'll kind of get off this topic. Uh, the other one that has some symbolism, I guess – I was told the number eight is Hawaiian for like a fresh start or something like that. Uh, so there's some symbolism with that. So I think that's a possibility. And then he could wear number one. I mean, that's become a quarterback number lately. Kyler Murray wore it, um, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, and He's a rightful number one pick, okay? I don't hate right. that. I was just about to say that. Yeah, I mean, he would have been picked number one if not for the hip. So, 
I think that's a possibility. But you're right. I mean, I think that uh, maybe it's going to take Dwayne to call Josh Rosen and say, hey, give the guy my number. You know, let, let, him, let him have it. Um, and, and on this topic, when is Pat going to take the Marino and Jordan jerseys down? Is, <laughs> oh, my God. Do they, do, they, do they remember that they're up there? It won't even be Pat. It, it, it'll like, be so many somebody, Pat, right? No, if somebody could go take them and nobody would know this. <laughs> do you know how far back the Marino one is and the Jordan one is? Like, like, do you know where you have to be to actually see those? Yeah, you have to be sitting up there in the 400 <laughs> levels to see it. Me and Al, you very familiar. They put me, yeah, we have to sit where they put me and Alex during big games. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, yeah, it, yeah, it's eye level for you guys. For me, Honestly, I can't see it. But Next time they put me up there, I'm taking those jerseys down. You should. Just walk right over. Just walk right over. Yeah, I'm taking this one home with me. That tells you, like, this, this franchise has not had many dark periods where they needed to generate attention. That was one of the dark periods. I don't even remember the year, but, like, I understand. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Jordan one. Well, the Jordan one, yeah, no, the Jordan one for sure. I mean, to me, that's that's <laughs> the worst one. I mean, Marino at least, okay, there's there's a reason for that. I mean, Dan, you know, Dan's been to a ton of Heat games. I, I've told me the story before, like, my conversations with Dan have been few and far between the last few years, but they was, always seem to be about Dwayne Wade. Uh, I mean, he, he has – he really – he really loves the heat. I mean, and so he's, and he's been there for big games. So, and his kids do too. So it's, I, I, I kind of, the Marino one I can, I get, although they didn't really retire it. I mean, Mike Miller wore it, right? Bam out of bio is wearing it. Right? Good question. Do you think, do you think Riley <laughs> thought true. he was starting this league wide trend when he did that? Of retiring who? Yeah, like like Jordan, like everybody was gonna follow suit. I, 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 mean, I don't like Jackie Robinson. Like yeah, everybody, everybody, everybody like, wearing forty two. At the time, I, I thought Pat thought like you know I'm gonna do this, and then everybody else is gonna do it out of respect. And like he just they like everyone just like left him hanging out there, like Dwayne Wade in the dunk contest. Oh, that's almost like uh, this time around when we saw all these owners, uh, you know, paying for their employees, and we thought all the owners would do it. <laughs> yeah exactly. right right exactly well no and instead one of them something we should talk about instead one of the teams decided to take the ppp money uh and uh yeah it, it's funny they should have they gave the ppp money back they haven't given Dion waiters back but they they gave the ppp <laughs> the, 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 the the lakers uh that that was ridiculous and embarrassing for them they've kind of become an embarrassing franchise except they're for a LeBron's family business yeah, they're a family-owned business that just was basically stealing money from you and me and everybody else. I mean, I'm you know I applied for small business money too. The Lakers got it. Um, so, uh, so one more jersey topic, and then we're going to move on. I put this on Twitter. Which of Mario Chalmers' jerseys should be retired? Six or fifteen? Both of them. On yeah. the same night, I agree. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you no realize if, if, if they retire Rio's six, then they can't retire the other guys who wore six. Like, like Eddie, Eddie Jones, Jones and that, and that, that uh, you know, the other guy. Um, That's when you take down 23 and give it to LeBron. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. You let him wear 20. I mean, 15 doesn't have a great legacy. It's Chris Gatling, Terrence Wrencher, Wang Juju, Mark Blunt, Mario Chalmers, Okari White, and Daryl Macon. I, I think Rio that can get that one retired. Six has a little bit more. Uh, Panache, which one is that? That's uh, the great Terry Mills, Harold Jameson. I remember him. Eddie Jones, Blake Ahern, Luke Jackson, Mario Chalmers, and then yeah, LeBron. Um, I actually put this poll question on Twitter, and people are pissed at me because they thought I was serious. I, I mean, Rio, I'm kind of half serious, but 
they all got pissed. They're like, we're going to retire Joel Anthony's number next, huh? And I'm like, yeah. Okay. yeah. okay. We have to remember the there's a lot of least common denominators on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> we we can't go by uh, the idiots' reactions to everything we do. Like, there's just a lot of dumb people out there. Yeah, I've, I've noticed. All right, so uh, I, yeah, I agree. We should retire both. All right, let's get to the next, <laughs> the ne- the next, the next thing we want to talk about uh, here tonight. Speaking of dumb, I, and I just saw that uh, Dan Sharfin just posted a response uh, voiceover Dan on Twitter to this. What the hell is Aaron is Aaron Gordon thinking? I mean, what, what, what was that? I mean, the diss track to Dwayne Wade for giving him the nine in the dunk contest. I mean, first thing, Dwayne's not the only one who gave him a nine. And second thing, I don't know if Aaron Gordon noticed, but we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and he's, he's stressing about a dunk contest two months later and going after Dwayne Wade, and he seemed serious. And I love Dwayne's response, which was basically – what that he should basically trademark nine out of 10. He's like, I just gave you a money making idea after you say I cost you a million dollars. What, uh, this is why the magic stay the magic. Yes. Right. What what is this? Alex, I'm gonna let you go off because like you're the more current hip hop fan. I'm used to, you know, uh, you know, Biggie and DMX and stuff like that. I feel like this was more new school hip hop and I, I I don't want to just call a whack and sound like an old (laughs) hater. So I'm going to let you go off. And what did you think? All right. So I will call it whack because that's the first thing that came to my mind. As soon as I played the song before I took it off less than 10 seconds later, I couldn't listen to the whole thing. I mean, it's just the guy has no flow. First of all, like (laughs) the song is terrible. He comes off as corny. He almost like looks so like entitled and like a little rich boy. He almost comes out like how Nancy Pelosi did when she was eating on ice cream on national TV and everybody was like, there's a quarantine going on. <laughs> like, what are you doing, dude? Like, you want attention that bad for something that happened over two months ago? Like, that that was a long time ago, man. That was a that was a different world. I think this was just so corny. Like, if you're gonna do that, you have to nail it. And it was just overall a seven out of ten, six out of ten. But that's how I would grade all the Orlando Magic drafts and everything they do. Well, like, first of all, it's about a dunk contest. And like Ethan said, it's it's like indicative of the entire Orlando Magic franchise and Aaron Gordon's career. Like, <laughs> what are you worried about? You're worried about a dunk contest, like the lowest rung on like the 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 level of importance. No no disrespect to uh, Derrick Jones Jr., but like if you don't win the dunk contest, it's not an important thing. Like if you win it, that's a cool little trophy you put to the side. But I'm sure Derrick Jones Jr. is more worried about winning championships and making the playoffs and winning playoff games. I mean, Leif put it out there. For Aaron Gordon to go at Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade has been in the finals five times. Aaron Gordon has five playoff games played in his career. Wade, Wade was being great, was being gracious by even responding, is what you're saying. Honestly, <laughs> Wade was being gracious by giving that shitty dunk a nine. First well, that's all, true, too. I mean, that, to right, exa- exactly. And, and he's not the only one. That's, that's the thing. Like, there is an entire generation on Twitter – that is so myopic that they only know Dwayne Wade as the dunk judge. Like, like we're, we're, we're going to come back in 10 years. And instead of like Dwayne averaging 35 points in the finals, okay. Or winning three championships or everything else that Dwayne did or all the all-star teams, we're going to say, Oh, he gave, what was Dwayne Wade's epitaph? Okay. He gave Aaron Gordon a nine in the dunk contest. Like, like this is, this is where people are. Like, I, I don't, like, but you got to remember what Aaron Gordon is mad at. 
Aaron Gordon is mad because Derek Jones Jr. got a 48 on a dunk. He probably should have got a 49 or a 50 on, but that's mm-hmm. fine. He got a 49. And then he did a dunk that before he even did it, the judges uh, coordinated to su- supposedly coordinated to give him a 49. Just yeah, to, and that's why they're mad at Wade. Just so they can tie. So he's not even mad that his ju- his dunk wasn't judged properly. He's mad that the co- the uh the collusion no collusion the collusion between <laughs> the judges uh, did not go his way or they didn't stick to the collusion like they didn't they didn't stick to the crime and now he lost when he should have lost like right. the dunk contest with him versus uh, Zach yes honestly Aaron Gordon deserved to win that dunk contest mm-hmm. jumping over the mascot under both legs is probably maybe the best dunk I've ever seen. Um, and he had a few dunks in that dunk contest that were out of this world. But that it's dunk one contest. One of the best ever, literally. Yes. But yeah. that dunk contest, what he did to the back of Taco Falls neck, neck is a crime in most cases. <laughs> so, like, you can't give him a – he didn't even deserve a 48. Like, that was like a 44. Like, you can't vault over Taco Fall and want a, want a 50. Like, it's a joke. Yeah, I, look, and I think Dwayne has been incredibly gracious about this. And, I, you know, we all love the meme, okay, of him kind of deciding what it is he's going to give him <laughs> in that situation. Really? But it's funny to me that, like, think about what's happened with Dwayne over the past couple months, right? So he has his number retired after this All-Star thing. But it was around the same time as he was out there, you know, kind of defending his, you know, his now daughter, right? Like, he was in the news for that and on the circuit – and it's like everybody forgot about that now. Like they moved on to the dunk contest thing. And I think it's just funny. Like Dwayne post career has become this lightning rod for things he shouldn't be a lightning rod for. Yeah. Like it's, funny. It's, it's first of all, it's funny. Like there's people out there who think that Dwayne gave him a nine to uh, maintain his relevance. And it's like, guys, it's Dwayne Wade. Like I've seen that before. Like Dwayne, just, Dwayne Wade just wants a new cycle. He's Dwayne Wade. Uh, right. Like, right. Are you serious? And they, they, there's people who say he's used his daughter for that, which is just gross and disgusting. Yeah, that's disgusting. I mean, th- yeah. that, that accusation is disgusting. I mean, he doesn't need – look, it's true. Dwayne hasn't shrunk in retirement. I didn't think he would. Um, he's gotten himself involved in a million projects. Okay, he's doing TNT, which he always said he probably wouldn't do. He's done – you know, he's, he's all over the place. He's on Twitter. He's active. Um, I think then, you know, then there was also Kobe's death, which kind of put Dwayne back in the forefront again because of their relationship. There's just been a lot of things that have involved him lately and he's never shrunk for it. He does care about his branding and all that sort of stuff. His son, his other son is playing, you know, or was before the, the virus was playing with LeBron's son. So that got attention. I mean, he's always going to be in the middle of things. He doesn't need to manufacture it. Like, Oh, if I give, if I screw Aaron Gordon, in the dunk contest, <laughs> people are going to remember what I accomplished as a player. I mean, give me an effing break. It's, it's funny just- because, like, nobody remembers the dunk contest after it happens for the most part. With, like, almost all of the past, I don't know, like, six, seven dunk contests, people just forget about it, except the 2016 one with Aaron Gordon and Zach oh. Bean. But right. then over here, like, people are still talking about this two and a half months later, still in Dwayne Wade's comments, Aaron Gordon coming up with a terrible song, terrible marketing ploy. And it's just like, this whole thing is so corny and mad to me that everybody is mad that they didn't bend over backwards to crown Aaron Gordon and literally break the rules to crown Aaron Gordon. Right. <laughs> but, and again, okay, so what about what Aaron Justice, Gordon? What about Justice Winslow's tweet? 
I don't know what to make of that. I mean, you, uh, look, with justice. Well, we, 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 right. But just, justice is is playing. Justice changed his whole Twitter personality around the time that all this stuff was going on with his back. You know, that's remember I I would come on the pod and go. I thought somebody was tweeting for justice. Yeah. Because it was it was totally out, not out of character for who he is. If you know him a little bit, you know he has a sense of humor. But yeah, like, so this was try says so this was a tweet. He has a huge suit. Okay, so before, like, let's everyone remember that when he left, uh, he still had a very good relationship with all the current players. Yes. So him leaving, it didn't affect his relationship with the current players. And when he got traded, Dwayne Wade was no longer on the team. And right. so there's no reason for him to be bad at Dwayne about getting traded. Well, Dwayne was also very complimentary of him, uh, called him little brother. Um, I mean, it took him under his wing. I, I, they've so always I, had a good relationship. No, they always have. Absolutely, they've had a so good relationship. After so. the Aaron Gordon track comes out, Justice says they should have let me write the diss track. I got all the dirt. Diss track. I got all the dirt on bro, and I know how to get in his head. Like that is a like if, if people. There's so many people who got insanely upset, including like Skinny McGee from our uh, Slim from our network. Yeah, I know. So like got people pissed. got yeah. so mad at that. Like, do you not understand, like, it's as one friend giving another friend shit. And first and foremost, and someone pointed this out in my mentions, it's more of a, a diss to Aaron Gordon. Yeah. Right? Saying, you, you, it, was so, you're, it was so trash, they should have let me write it. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. And he does like, have shit on Dwayne. Of course he does. They were teammates. I mean, I, a, you know. It's, I, it's a joke. Right. It's a joke. But, but people are. It's like if Pippen said it about Jordan. They're, they're, it's. It's. It's well, that was like friend. that was like the scene, and we're going to talk a little about Last Dance after the break. But there was a scene in Last Dance with Jordan playing uh, cards with Scotty Burrell uh, on the plane, and Scott Burrell, I can tell you, had a reputation when he was playing. Like, had a, I, 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 I knew Scott Burrell's agent really well. Um, actually, I can tell this now. Scott, he helped me break a bunch of stories. Like, I, I got the the Brian Grant story first, the Brian Grant was traded here because basically Sean Holly gave it to me because Sean was talking to the heat, trying to get Scott Burrell down to Miami. And so he knew everything was going on with the heat. And he's like, I, and I called, I said, what's going on with Burrell? He says, well, nothing today, but Oh, by the way, they're trading for Brian Grant. I was like, Oh, okay. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> and okay. So like, you know, he was trying, he also represented Bimbo Coles and that was another one who was kind of back and forth, possibly come back to Miami. So Scott Burrell had a reputation though for going out late and partying pretty hard. Okay. And so if you saw the scene, a uh, last dance where Michael Jordan of all people was giving him shit saying, you know, if you're, if you think he's, you know, at home at night, if you're with this, if you're a girl with this guy, no, he's not. <laughs> and like, he threw him under the bus. Like these guys all know every, every, they know the history on everybody else on the team. They do. And so I don't know what justice knows about Dwayne, but I just know that, it's just it's a teammate giving a teammate bleep. That's that's what it is. But people are super sensitive about justice. I, I understand. Twitter, he Twitter just extra sensitive about everything. Well, they're extra, but they're sensitive about justice. And I will tell you, the Heat was a little sensitive about this too, because justice, you know, you know, justice kind of made it clear behind the scenes and the way he was acting, he didn't really want to be with the Heat anymore. And then I, I've told you, and I've said this on the pod, the Heat felt justified in the trade. I mean, they would have done the trade anyway, but they felt justified in the trade because Justice seemed so happy to get out, okay, 
on Twitter and everywhere else. And so Heat fans are going to be sensitive about that because, you know, it's the what, what's wrong with us? Why didn't you want to play with us anymore? Why wouldn't you get back out there for us? Because that's the other thing. Justice was about ready to return, remember? Like before the virus hit. So, and there was a question whether he was going to play for the Heat or all the rest of the season if he was still here. So I get why Twitter is sensitive, but this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. I can tell you there's no rift between Justice Winslow and Dwayne Wade, okay? There's not. And so that was sort of way over the line. But we're going to get to another topic in a second here, but I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. I'm going to order another one tonight because my daughter finished – the rest of the one that I ordered and it's Christopher's bakery. Christopher's bakery can be found on Twitter at Nilla wafer cakes. That's also the page on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and basically their specialty is the vanilla wafer cake. Although I added the chocolate chips to it. It's created 30 years ago by Courtney Harris's father and named after Courtney's brother who died of a seizure at just 11 years old. So they've partnered with Miami Nicholas Children's Hospital and set up a fund where they donate a portion of all the sales to epilepsy neuroscience research since that's where they spent much of Christopher's life. They've got other cake options available for shipping as well. That's why I said they will ship it to you. Typically, they would be hand delivering down here in South Florida. Obviously, that's not an option right now. But they will be shipping it to you, and I got mine last week. It was delicious. It was. I held on for five days so that my daughter could have some, and you can actually go on the five reasons. I think my IG page as well where I didn't put her up to this, okay? My daughter, mm, that's good. Give me more, and so, you know, that's good. She's already ready to do commercials. So check out the website, christophersbakery.com backslash five reasons. Yeah, well, that's a, well. She'll 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 be much better at it. She's much cuter. Christophersbakery.com backslash five reasons. Christophersbakery.com backslash five reasons. And if you type in the coupon code five reasons again, spell it out, you get fifteen percent off every item in your order. All right, we had a bunch of things we wanted to get to over the next two days. What do we want to get to next, guys? I'll let you choose. Uh, I think we want to do Robin, right? And the and the documentary. Yeah, I think we do Rodman. Um, did you watch Last Dance? Did you see episode uh, three and was four? It? Three and four. I I, I, I finally finished them. Um, I watched them. The only reason I don't I'm not even really that interested. The only reason I'm watching them is so I can get the jokes on Twitter. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you even admit that. Why? Why? Why do that to yourself, man? You should have just kept the. 
I, I tweeted it out before the documentary. Well, you don't like you don't like you don't like the pacing of it. I saw there was a message. Um, uh, Jeff Duncan, who who covers the Saints, he's, he's covered the Saints for a long time. Very good writer. Uh, he tweeted out something today about how he is not enamored with the documentary because of the chronological pacing of it. It's a mess. But it it but it's not though. It, it is, but it's not. It's it's uh, from. As someone, and I don't want to. As someone who had to write long pieces, long stories that combine a bunch of information, you know, sometimes I would write ten thousand word stories. Sometimes you don't, you know. I would approach a story and say, "Do I do this chronologically, or do I go back and forth a little bit?" And if I'm going to go back and forth, how do I kind of signal it? There is a rhyme and reason, Alf, to what they're doing. They're, I mean, if you look at it, every episode, is basically the same. Okay, they start with 1998. And then they yep. circle back to the person they want to focus on. So there was yep. the Jordan episode, the Pippin episode, the Phil episode, the Rodman episode. I'm assuming yeah, the Ku Coach episode is next. Or I understand like. that, but even within the the even within the narratives about each person, I feel like they still jump around too much. I honestly, I mean, it's that's just, a, cover a lot, though. I know, I understand this, is, but I'm talking about my preference. Like, I don't mind that their their focus is on the '98 season, and then they go back and tell stories. But I would just like it to be a, just a little bit more cohesive. Like, if I feel like if I didn't live through the era and under and I w I didn't watch most of this live, like some of this would be a little bit confusing for me. Any or maybe it's because I did live through it. I would rather the story be told chronologically mm. a little bit more chronologically because I feel like you, I feel like you you create a narrative sometimes that and I know that's part of why you make a documentary to create a narrative right. but I feel like sometimes you create a false narrative when you don't tell the story in the way that it actually happened instead you're jumping around pick you know you're kind of piecemealing it together when there's actually a, an interesting story to be told without deifying or making anybody like I feel like there's a lot of hero making in the documentary that doesn't really need to happen. I feel like it would be cooler if we just saw what actually well, happened. Well, I think you just I think you just dug on something right there. I think you just found something. What if this is like part of trying to, you know, thematically turn it into a superhero thing because that's what's working in American media right now, right? I mean that like well, it kind is. of makes sense. Is, and they're doing is, a background but, but, story, an origin story on all of these people, and then they're all like Coming together like the Avengers for the '98 season, right? Oh, right, but, but right, but, 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 but like fight against terrors of Jerry Krause and the team falling apart. Yeah, Jerry Krause is what Kim Jong Un in this in this uh, scenario. Look, I, the the issue with that, Alf, though, is if you're going to tell the story chronologically, you're not going to get to 1998 until episode 10. No, I, I think so, you can start in 1998 and go back, but I feel like. It, and like, listen, I'm not a filmmaker, all right? I, I barely work the phone on my camera, the camera on my phone. Uh, um, but if you're, like, I can, I can see you going from 98 and then going back. And I would rather, it just, I don't know, I'd just rather be more chronological. Like, I feel like, they're, I feel like they're going to do this with LeBron and they're going to whitewash a lot of crap, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> like, they're going to whitewash the 2011 season, uh, 2011 finals uh, somehow, by, well, I, I don't think so. I mean, Jordan's stuff hasn't been whitewashed. I, I, I think there have been certain stories. I, and I'm interested because, Alf, you did live through it. Obviously, I did, too. Uh, Alex did not as Same. much. <laughs> well, right. Okay, so so I, I, I get... I was technically I, alive. Well, you were technically alive, so I, I do think it's interesting to get your perspective on it because, <laughs> because if you look at it, I mean, to me, the Isaiah Michael stuff is fascinating because I did live through that. 
And you, I, th- I think if you don't, I think what they didn't do particularly well, and Vinny Goodwill, who is from Detroit, but has covered the Bulls, and Vinny's one of our favorites. Vinny wrote, I thought, an exceptional column about this, basically saying Isaiah did not get, and the Pistons did not get their due. And also there were some things that were whitewashed. For instance, Jordan like went after the Pistons, like in the press and in every other way. I mean, he, he basically essentially called them illegitimate champions. I mean, I, he, <laughs> I, right. I mean, there was a lot of that and, and none of that was in here. It's just like, okay, the Pistons were assholes for walking off the court early, which they were, but there was a history there with Michael that I don't think was particularly well told. Yeah, I'm trying, like, you know, what I'm saying that's exactly what I'm talking about. Just like, it's just, it's Michael was just this guy trying so hard and these bad guys, these bad boy were just beating the living shit out of him and it wasn't fair. And, he, you know, they never showed the fact every time they hit him that he went to the free throw line and got points. Okay. Like, <laughs> like and I put, <laughs> I put this on Twitter, like, let's stop acting like it's the hunger games. Like whenever all these fouls that everyone's like, it was so much tougher back then. They were still fucking fouls. Like he still got to the free throw line. He got points every time they clotheslined them. The only difference is nowadays it'd be a flagrant or a tech. Yeah. And some of those still Most were of those would be flagrant twos. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that's the only thing. Like these guys didn't get kicked out of the game, but they still were fouls. Like he got to the free throw line. Like it's, it's, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't just like this free for all wild west, you know, that people were throwing elbows and, and going and going down the other, other way. Like they were still fouls. True. Um, no and question. The were really good. Like, and Isaiah Thomas never gets to do somebody put this on Twitter and they were like, Isaiah Thomas is the only guy who beat Jordan magic yeah. and bird all of their primes. It wasn't yep. just them, too. Take a look at some of the other teams the Pistons Dr. beat J. going forward. He beat Dr. J. Uh, they beat Patrick uh, when at Patrick's height. Uh, they uh, No, they, they were great. I mean, they were actually – it's funny. The Pistons, I think in both cases, both of their championship groups didn't get enough credit uh, because they were exceptionally well-constructed teams, okay? But they didn't have a Michael. But if you look at both teams – I mean, that first team, Isaiah and Dumars was a perfectly constructed backcourt, okay? Then they had Dantley and then Aguirre, so you had your scorer in the three spot. They had Rick Mahorn, who was your, I mean, your tough guy for that era. And Lambeer was kind of, you know, Lambeer gets a bad rap because he was a, a prick, okay? But he also was way ahead of his time. Like, Lambeer was a stretch five, like at that stage was that was unique, and then you were bringing Rodman, Sally, and Vinnie Johnson off your bench. I mean, Sally was really good. Like right, right. So, and we see how good Rodman was, but and and Vinny was. I mean, Vinny was the. I mean, the Lou Williams of his yeah, era. Prototype six man. Prototype. So I mean, that was a loaded team. And then you look at the Pistons team later, also exceptionally well constructed. We can talk about Darko and Carmelo, but. I mean, that team with, with Billups and Hamilton, perfectly constructed backcourt. Tayshaun Prince, you know, your long, you know, three guy who could defend um, and also score some. And then, you know, to have Ben Wallace and Rashid, who was gifted up front, and some of the guys they rolled off their bench, like, that that was a really good team too. You know, Lindsey Hunter and such. Like, so they, they've had good teams, and they haven't really gotten credit for it. And I do think that pisses team. You mentioned Isaiah. I posted a poll 
Uh, which of these guys? I could have put Stockton on here. I could have put a. I could have put Iverson, I guess. But I put like which of these guys six five or under would you want to win one game? And I put Kid Nash, uh, Isaiah, and Chris Paul. And Chris Paul won narrowly over Isaiah. To me, it's no competition. It's Isaiah. Despite <laughs> the fact that Chris Paul has never gotten it done. No, I mean sometimes it wasn't his fault. Okay, I mean I know, he, did, I he 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 did beat San Antonio, uh, which was a terrific performance, similar to the Isaiah performance when he was playing hurt. He did he they probably would have beaten the Warriors if he doesn't get hurt. So I, I think that's a little unfair to Chris Paul. He's played big in big games, bigger than Harden has. All right, but but to me, like Isaiah was was better than Chris Paul. I know people who are watching now will say that's not true. I just think he was. I think Isaiah, like you said, Isaiah wasn't afraid of anybody. And, I mean, Chris Paul is the closest thing to, to Isaiah, okay, that, that in terms of de- demeanor, personality, size, all the rest of that. But Isaiah probably wasn't even 6'1". <laughs> and he was, I mean, you like he went toe-to-toe with, with Bird, toe-to-toe with Magic, you know, toe to toe with Dr. J and that group. Um, and he, like you said, he beat them all in their prime. And I don't think that gets enough credit. And I, look, I'm not a fan of Isaiah professionally. I've actually had pretty good relations with him personally, which I know would surprise some people. He, he wanted to kill me the first time he met me because he, he thought I wrote a column that Dave Hyde actually wrote. Okay. And so, so I was, I was on the golf course and Isaiah, I was just the guy for the sun Sentinel and he was going off on me. And I said, Isaiah, I didn't write that. Uh, sorry. I mean, this, this is when he got hired at FIU. And look, he was a disaster at FIU. He was a disaster with the Knicks. And, you know, my, a good friend of mine actually, you know, was on the other side of a legal case with a sexual harassment thing with him. So, and, you know, was the guy who basically, you know, went after him. So there was an issue there. There was an issue. He destroyed the Raptors. He destroyed the CBA. He hasn't been real productive. Okay. A lot of things he's done, but he, I mean, but he yeah, was he's pretty productive, <laughs> right? Pretty destructive. <laughs> productive, Right. But, but he was, he was a, he actually wasn't a bad coach. Actually. This actually the time was good, in, that was, that's one thing. He was a good coach. He was a good coach. He developed Jermaine O'Neal. Actually, uh, him and he, Larry Bird were like two former players that actually were good coaches. And they were good coaches. Teams. Larry was a very good coach. Actually, yeah, Magic was a, Magic was a disaster. Oh, but, but but Larry Bird was a good coach. Uh, but uh, he was a great basketball player. And I, I think I feel like he's forgotten. And I think in this doc, you know, he's just lumped it. By the way, does Joe Dumars exist? Because he wasn't mentioned in the in the. In no, the uh, it's. I feel like it's almost like it's coordinated effort to completely destroy his legacy. I mean, he's done enough. Right. Why? Because they they hate him. Jordan hates him. They hate him. So this is this is all just slanted towards Jordan's favor. This the whole documentary is slanted towards making Jordan this this unbelievable superhero like you were talking about. And that's kind of like what annoys me. It always annoys me when someone makes a film or a movie. Or Aren't a you a Marvel guy? Yeah, I, I am. <laughs> I, I but I like make believe. I mean, like if we're gonna do make believe, <laughs> let's do make believe. It's like it's like uh, I was talking about the movie. But I thought the point is that that you can be a hero in your own way. Anyway. And Jordan was a hero. <laughs> I was right? like, I was talking about the movie Straight Outta Compton the other day, mm-hmm. and I hate. I did not like the movie because it was obviously slanted towards Dr. Dre and Ice Cube because they helped mm-hmm. make the movie. This is the same kind of thing with his documentary. Anytime well, Easy E wasn't around to defend himself, exactly. And they made right. Easy E just look like right. shit. Right. So same thing just, with like Jerry, just like Jerry Krause. Exactly. Although, although I saw that Casey Johnson. Uh, 
uh, tweeted. He, he's he now. I don't think he's with his Sun Times anymore. But Casey's been on the podcast. Uh, the the Kraus family entrusted Casey to the unpublished memoir that Kraus was writing before he died, and they're releasing some of that. I think on the I, is Casey with the Athletic now. I think he might be. Um, and they're going to be releasing this, so he is going to get to speak for himself. But he's not going to get to speak for himself on Sunday night on ESPN. It's not the platform. It's not the same platform. <laughs> right. It's a little. It's a little bit different. Um, yeah. and, and look, I think a lot of stuff about Kraus was correct. I'll go to you on this, house. Like, what is your – I mean, Isaiah is – I mean, was great before your – I mean, they won championships, what, 88, 89, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, way what, before I was born. Right. I mean, how, how do you even perceive him? I mean, where does he fit well, in NBA history for you? I was always somebody who came up – I was a huge – basketball nerd growing up uh I, I got into the history of the stuff because my uncle the only other person in my family who likes basketball had this whole trading card collection from when he was like a huge nerd you know watching the the heat not make it to the playoffs and he was collecting all these cards he gave me his whole collection and I literally went through the whole thing I built my own collection based off of that and then you know playing as all these legends in video games and looking up their stats and their accomplishments I've always known Isaiah to be one of the greatest point guards ever, but that is really like the tiebreaker, right? What you were saying about him being all these guys in his prime, like that is ridiculous. Even if like you could say that and not really apply context, but that statement by itself alone is just like, yeah, this guy is up there, right? As Thomas Thomas like beating Bird, Magic, Jordan, you said Patrick Ewing uh, in his prime. Like that's, that's tough, man. I, I, I would have, I think I voted Chris Paul in that poll too, because I think Chris Paul is amazing and him and his prime was one of my favorite players growing up. But yeah, Chris Paul hasn't done that, man. Even though he's been great, he's a great playoff performer. He hasn't done that, right? <laughs> he beat the and, greatest and he of all is, time. He has he's a bunch really of other greats. He has been a really good playoff performer. It is one of the misconceptions about Chris Paul. It's not, it's always, he didn't get to this, this round uh, there have been other reasons. I mean, if 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 Harden doesn't, you know, shit the bed <laughs> as regularly as Harden does, you know, Chris Paul probably gets there. If Paul doesn't get hurt, he probably gets there. But Isaiah was, I look on those teams. And Joe Dumars was my favorite Piston. I, I loved Joe Dumars' game. I just think he was, you know, I he was kind of what I wanted John Starks to be. He he was because when He's I was been completely like, erased from history. He has been, but he was – Jordan has said it repeatedly that nobody defended him like Dumars did. Dumars was the best defender on him. Uh, he would be great in this era. And the comp I've made for Kendrick Nunn, if he wants to aspire to be a player, it's Joe Dumars. They look alike. They're built alike. Uh, but but Kendrick's not the defender that Dumars was. Like, he would have to develop that part of his game. But a lot. Dumars, Dumars – a lot. But Dumars, <laughs> Dumars, but Dumars had a cool to him. Like, he was Joe Cool. Like, he was just – you didn't fluster him. And, again, he's his history has been rewritten because he didn't draft Carmelo. But if you're just thinking of him as a player, he was uh, the quintessential backcourt running mate to a star. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and he was terrific. And But Isaiah was the, was the killer on that team. Like, it's just – and and just he kept coming. I mean, one of the greatest performances I ever seen was the the performance on the bad ankle. Like he just he clearly shouldn't have been playing, and they couldn't do anything with him. They just couldn't. And uh, and he he took you know. So I, again, I think sometimes what happens post career with guys like for instance, like I said, Dwayne Wade's going to be known as the guy who gave Aaron Gordon a nine, and we're going to forget about everything else he did. It's just like that. Dumars is known for not drafting Carmelo, and Isaiah is known for destroying everything he ever touched. That's basically Jordan, of, Michael Jordan, just a failed owner in my eyes. 
Right. Well, that's, you know, it's interesting. Right. Exactly. They should do a whole like last dance about the Charlotte Hornets. Okay. And it's funny. His, his whole ownership of the Charlotte Hornets is reflected in the way he was like, he hasn't wanted to tank with the Hornets. And there was that whole scene about, you know, them pulling him out with 15 seconds left. Um, you know, you and, he had never heard of the concept of tanking when he talked about it on the dock. No, it's like it never <laughs> it occurred to him. Boring concept. Right. We're just going to, we're just going to pay Michael Kidd Gilchrist, right? We're going to, uh, we're going to bring in, we're going to pay Nicholas Batum to make sure we try to get the eighth seed. I mean, that's basically what Michael's done since he's been an owner. Has there been anything? I, I do want to talk about Rodman before we go. Uh, the Rodman episode was, I, I thought really fascinating. I, I think again, another guy whose history has been written a certain way. If you live in South Florida, you probably encountered Rodman somewhere. I used to see him on him or she in Las Olas all the time. He has a reputation for never tipping anybody. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go on with him in South Florida, but again, I think it's been obscured um, for his body type for his, he's probably the greatest rebounder I've ever seen. Um, and the most, one of the most destructive front court defenders, like if, if you, we talk about what BAM is like Dennis Rodman just erased people like just, I mean, and, and I, I don't think historically because, you know, he couldn't shoot outside of two feet. I don't think he's gotten his due. And frankly, like some of the comparisons this week, like Draymond Green is the modern day equivalent. I think you're insulting to Dennis Rodman, honestly. Like, he was great, right, Alf? Like, what am I? I mean, how many 0.20 rebound games did he have? Like, that's not even that, – that, that's unheard of, right? Like, he, he's had so many – he's had so many games where he did everything else um, for his team besides score. And I do – like. I mean, I like Draymond a lot. Like, Draymond – I said Draymond. Draymond. Um, I think now uh, Draymond is he, – There, people are shitting on his legacy. I think yep. what happens is a lot of times when, when you don't like the person as a person, uh, and that's what's happening with Isaiah, you, you, you tend to shit on their career just because – And with Draymond. Yeah, that's what's happening. Um, but with, with he, but he's not the rebounder Rodman was. Like, there's nobody's a re, rebounder Listen. Rodman was. He was six foot eight, pulling down 20 rebounds. Like, who – could you, like I mean, we used to get uh, we used to be impressed with Udonis Haslam doing that, but he was doing what nine, ten rebounds a game at his peak. This guy was yep. throwing out twenty rebounds in yep. in no. the playoffs. I think it doesn't make any sense to compare the two as like directly through play style. I think they're the equivalent of each other for the era, right? Not as far as like okay, the two the two elite qualities for the both of them, right? For Dennis Rodman, it was defense and rebounding. He's you know for both those, he's one of the best you've ever seen. Whereas for Draymond, it's defense and passing as far as passing from his position. I think they're different players, but the types of roles that they played, I think that, you know, they were the equivalent for the, for the two great teams of, of their eras. Yeah. And, and the thing about Rodman too, and this was covered in the doc, I thought pretty well is that his career was basically over by the time he got to the bulls. Like, I mean, <laughs> we talk about pop handling egos. He couldn't handle Rodman like Robin and David Robinson hated each other. Like that, that was not working. And I mean, you couldn't have two more polar opposite. I don't know why they thought that would work. I mean, David Robinson, if you ever interviewed David Robinson, I love David Robinson. I just think he's total, total, total class. And I thought was treated really poorly through the years by Shaq and everything. And I also think David Robinson's legacy has been erased too, right? Like what we don't talk about him, right? Like as one of the great bigs, like, Look at his numbers. <laughs> you know, I mean, is, is that is that only because 
Robinson got blown out by Olajuwon the year that Robinson won the MVP Alf that we don't, I, I, I feel like David Robinson's legacy has been erased somewhat. I think a lot of, I mean, when you look at all the, all the players throughout the nineties, if they weren't on the Rockets or the Bulls, a lot of them got erased. I mean, is Ewing, Ewing is kind of like, Ewing is a meme of Scottie Pippen dunking over him and walking <laughs> over him. Right? Right. You know, we, even Char- Charles Oakley is just known as a guy who used to fight off the court. Charles Barkley is just is the funny guy on uh, inside the NBA. Uh, Reggie Miller gets clowned all the time, deservedly so. Um, Clyde Drexler is not even seen. I mean, what give Clyde Drexler to? Mitch Richmond. Uh, well, and Clyde, and Clyde got the championship with the Rockets too. Yeah, and so he's actually, still, we still don't talk about him because yeah. he was he was a shooting guard in that era. Uh, Mitch Richmond. Does Mitch Richmond get his due? Not even close. Right. Right. Uh, even like Timmy Hardaway. Uh, there's a lot of guys who just don't get their due because I mean Jordan just dominated the headlines and I w- you know who who knows if in 10 20 years we'll talk about Paul George that way where mm-hmm. you know because of Paul because of LeBron and uh, even Carmelo to an extent Carmelo's going to get whitewashed too uh, but because of LeBron all the small forwards of the generation probably one of the greatest generation of small forwards we've ever seen they're all going to get uh, taken out. Oh, the the the, the only one who won't is Kawhi at this point. Kawhi I, because he won titles. Because he because he won because he won titles. But that's your legacy, man. <laughs> Win titles or just get forgotten. But but with Robinson too, like uh, Robinson was ahead of his time, and, and I don't think this gets. I mean, Robinson was an athlete playing at that height. Like he was a totally different type of player. I mean, if you can imagine. I mean, again, Bam is shorter, but I, there are some similarities there. Bam's like four inches shorter than him. But there are some similarities there. I, I just think David Robinson is one of those guys that doesn't. And the other thing was David Robinson got kind of pushed aside by the guy who came after him on the same team. You know, like yeah, because this, they give his first they give all the credit for his first first title, title to Duncan, title, right? To, to Duncan, yes. To, to Duncan, I, could you imagine two guys like that playing together in today's game? That I mean, how do you how do you make Batman and Bead? I Bam and Bead, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, they had a, you had Olajuwon and Sampson. I mean, Sampson. Could have been a Hall of Famer if he well, didn't keep getting hurt. But, yeah, I mean, just getting back to the Rodman topic, you know, in the current era, like, I think Rodman could still play today. Um, you know, obviously, he, he, he has no stretch to his game. But just as far as, I, I mean, he was a one-on-one take-the-challenge defender. But could you imagine him switching on a bunch of pick-and-rolls like teams do now? <laughs> like... <laughs> and the way that he would guard people, I, I just think he's gotten very, very overlooked. And, and I think, you know, again, they made it a lot about Carmen Electra and, you know, and I get all that. And the 48 we got to go over some of these quotes. Like that Carmen Electra thing was amazing. Then you talk about uh, who was it? Was it Ron Harper that, that was uh, that, that called him straight bitches? Or was that Horace Grant? That was Horace Grant. It was Horace Grant. That was fantastic. When, when you, when, oh, it was Ron Harper who was like, yeah, I'm in. Fuck it. Whatever. What's up? Or something like that. I, I, I know. And it's funny. I, they, haven't, they haven't used Ron a lot to talk because Ron has had, always had that stuttering problem. Um, and I, so I feel like they haven't put him on as much. But Ron's a funny guy. If you've ever, you ever been around Ron, like he's, he's got it. But, yeah, Horace, there hasn't been a lot about Horace. There hasn't been a lot about Tony, although I know that's coming because obviously that was – I'm going to be upset if they don't do a Horace Grant episode. I guess because he wasn't on the 98 team, though. He wasn't. Yeah, no, gonna, he, you know, he, you know, he was. They're not going to feature him. He was that pers- is a no. guy who's. I mean, what he did for the Bulls, and then when he was on the Magic with Shaq, then yeah. when he was on the Lakers with Shaq, that guy has done. I mean, he has done a ton of winning 
and he didn't get a lot of respect. Well, uh, he, he's a little like, I mean, he has a Haslam quality to him. I mean, I think, you know, there, there's some similarities in the way that they played. He was a great running mate to Shaq. Um, one of the things that I think Shaq said when he came to Miami was that he, he saw a lot of Horace Grant and UD. So, yeah, I mean, but Horace always got confused with his twin brother. And twin, his twin brother, Harvey, was a little bit of a better scorer, but not as good an overall player. But, yeah, they, they I, I just – the Rodman stuff is fascinating to me. I, we've talked a little about Kukoc. I think they're going to get into him. Uh, I think Kukoc in today's game, I think we said he'd be a better Gallinari, uh, which I agree with. He's a better playmaker than Gallinari. But I, I'm with you, Alf, in the point you're making about how they've whitewashed certain things to make Jordan look better. And – I think what's funny is not better as a player. It's hard to do that, but just better in terms of all the narratives. And I think what was said before these, these uh, episodes was that even Michael said, everybody's going to hate me after this, but I don't think that the documentaries have really done that. Right. Like they've deified him. I wonder if it's because we haven't got into the part of, you know, the other stuff he was known for during his career. What the, the off the court stuff? Yeah, the gambling. Yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. They're gonna even detail even, that at one point. Even then, they're not gonna. It's not gonna be. It's, I mean, are they? Are people really gonna bash him? Because people know that stuff already. Yeah. I mean, they're gonna talk uh, about his father getting killed. Uh, they're gonna talk about you know the, you know they're gonna make the baseball thing, and I think it was a sincere effort. He wanted to be good at baseball. But they're, they're going to they're gonna touch on that. Are they going to touch on all the conspiracies that Stern basically told him to go away because of the gambling? I mean, the, 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 the only gambling they've really focused on was him basically taking Danny Ainge's or playing Danny Ainge, right, during the, the series against the Celtics when he was a you know, young guy. And then the playing with Burrell on the plane, right? And then Michael basically saying that he walked into a room I know he's talking about Orlando Woolridge and those guys, okay? Like he walked into the room and walked right out when he saw the, you know, the Coke and the strippers and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and we all believe uh, there was, <laughs> Michael Jordan walked into a room of Coke gambling and strippers and said, no, no. No, I don't want any of this. I'm going to yeah, go to church. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't believe it. All right, so we'll see. We'll talk about that more. Um, so we got some other topics we're going to get into later in the week. I, I want to I do this. Uh, the Heat have been putting uh, people on their – IG page or Facebook page and everywhere else. They've been actually um, making a lot of guys available. They had Shaq the other day. Tonight, they had Norris Cole and Mario Chalmers. I want to talk a little bit more uh, about those guys in the next step. Also, uh, there's this talk about facilities opening up. I'm trying to get some information from the Heat about whether or not, you know, Florida is one of the places where this can actually happen. I also have some inside stuff on how the Heat are approaching the salary cap situation and what that's going to look like. So we're, we're, we're going to get together again tomorrow and talk about all this. We're trying to spread some of this stuff out. So check out all of our sponsors. Again, the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm can be found at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com. They've got someone there 24 hours a day to direct you to the right attorney. They are working, even with the courts closed here. They are working. And if you just got a traffic ticket, I saw it tonight. Today I was driving. I don't know. The cops were all over I-95. I don't, they have nothing else to do, I guess. Uh, if, you got a, if you got a traffic ticket, uh, you should definitely get that checked out. You got an immigration issue. Those are not going away during this crisis. So definitely reach out to onecalllegal.com, the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Fire Regional Sports Network.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently, so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.